Thanks for staying with us, everyone. First up, Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ness Addison, has expressed concern about individuals hoarding huge amounts of foreign currencies in their homes. The governor was asked about the $1 million and 300,000 euros kept in the home of the former Water Resources and Sanitation Minister, Cecilia Dapa. At a press briefing, Dr. Addison said the central bank was taking measures to deal with liquidity outside banks. We have uh, improved the use of uh, liquidity management instruments. So you will see that the Bank of Ghana open market operations have also been increased. I mean, there is a seasonal part of that also. When we purchase cocoa, we purchase cocoa with CDs. That goes to augment the amount of CDs out there. When we purchase gold, and you know we are purchasing quite a bit of gold, when we purchase gold, we add to this amount of CDs out there. The good thing is that we have the foreign exchange backing for all the CDs that we use in purchasing the gold, and therefore it puts the bank in a very strong position to sort of sterilize the impact of you know, CDs that are put out there because of gold. So you are right, and this is an area where the bank is, you know, taking a, a very close look at, and the liquidity operations of uh, Doctor, um, you know, <laughs> Doctor Zachary, your liquidity operations, which we have been talking about, obviously, is going to be a major priority uh, for the rest of the year. Yes, we are all worried, but really, I mean, this is a matter that is still unfolding and uh, involving the court, so there's not much that one, one can say. That was uh, Governor of the Central Bank, Dr. Enes Addison. Joining us on Zoom is Dr. Benjamin Amar, who is Senior Finance Lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School. Good afternoon to you. Thanks for joining us. Your views on the Central Bank's response to questions posed about the hoarding of foreign currency by individuals and measures uh, to deal generally with liquidity outside banks. Anything you can suggest? Yeah, thank you very much. You know, it's a genuine concern, like you said, and especially if you are the central bank, you have to be worried because one of your responsibilities as central bank is to print, distribute, and manage the circulation of currency in circulation within your economy. And so if you come to realize that a chunk of a currency you print and circulate is not within the formal banking system, but it happens to be in the hands of the public, then it makes the control of money very difficult from the monetary point of view, and it makes it extremely difficult to achieve monetary policy targets. We should not forget that we have come from COVID where many of central banks around the world have eased money into the system. Now there are attempts to find a way of trying to get the money back out of the system. So if you have a lot of individuals holding money, it is worrying. We shouldn't forget that a central bank has, over the recent years, also tried through various mechanisms and strategy and innovations, introduced tools or measures that will make the economy more fashionless. 
in the midst of all this, if you are presented with huge currencies out of the banking sector, it's a problem. But you see, the difficulty is that the law is not too clear in terms of thresholds mm. that individuals and business entities can hold, be it for business reasons or for personal reasons. So if you come across an individual having X thousands or X millions of CDs or dollars, then it becomes very, very difficult for you to bring up a clear case. Maybe the central bank should be going forward be thinking about how possible if they can have some threshold on how much individuals can hold and how much entities can hold, given a particular time frame. So that within that time frame, if the individual still keeps that money on himself or herself, then some legitimate questions can be asked. Without that, it's very difficult. In the area of even Forex, no matter how much the individual keeps on himself, the law is still not clear. The law says that you need to have permission, authorization from the central bank to deal in Forex. What does it mean? As an individual, if I have $1,000, $3,000, $5,000, do I need authorization? The law is not too clear. What about if it's in millions? Do I need authorization? The law is not too clear as to whether it qualifies for you to have that kind or sum of money on you with or without authorization. It is now time that I think the central bank will have to really look at its policy and then come clear in terms of how much individuals can hold, even if it is the domestic currency, the CD or dollars. And the time period, if you just travel into the country, how much can you hold? Maybe there are your changes in terms of the coins and the transactions that you held on when you went outside. Now you are in Ghana. In Ghana, we don't use any other currency apart from the Ghana city. So why are you holding on to the foreign currency? Mm. If we, are, we have clarity on how much we can hold and how long we can hold it, then if we suspect or we see individuals holding certain sums of money, we can then bring a case against them and have clear guidelines as to what we have to do. But currently, the law looks very open, but we don't have clarity on the directive. So, uh, first step, a law that uh, stipulates a threshold, uh, and that would be basis for, you know, like you point out, uh, looking into the amounts that people keep in their homes. I just also want to find out, and just by way of education, what the impact is on the economy, how negatively it is affected if there are no controls in place to check hoarding of foreign currencies. Yeah, it is simple. If there are no controls in place, all I need to do is that I need to amass as much as I can, whether genuinely or not genuinely, in terms of Ghana cities, and then go around and then purchase Forex. I know how easy it is to purchase Forex in Ghana. There are Forex bureaus all over the place. There are other you know, uh, foreign currency dealers all around. So you just need to buy as much as you can. Because when you go through the mainstream banking sector, questions will be asked. And then there are a lot of places that you can buy this hard currency, and nobody asks you any question. So we need to be aware. It may not even be the case that somebody may have traveled and then brought in Forex, legitimately or illegitimately. It could have been that a person has CDs, and a person goes around buying Forex out of the CDs and then keeps holding them. It still affects the local currency. Somebody will say, oh, how much can individuals buy at the retail level. But you are talking about an aggregation of such behaviors. 
And if you aggregate such behaviors, in as much as it may not compare to corporate demand for Forex, with what we are seeing and the mm. values that we are seeing, it is something that the government or the central bank may want to explore to make it very difficult for individuals to easily get this Forex without legitimate reasons for holding them. When in Ghana, we don't use Forex, but we use Ghana cities. Well, uh, let's switch to some other news that came out from the MPC briefing yesterday. The Bank of Ghana uh, indicating that the banks were uh, posting positive results in the first half of this year after having factored in the second round of uh, the domestic debt action program. And uh, all of the commercial banks, we are told, have submitted their recapitalization plans. So is the worst over for the banking sector? It is too early for one to say. I'll start from the recapitalization plan. It is good we are hearing this from the central bank that banks have submitted recapitalization plan. I believe strongly that the central bank will have gone through or the central bank is going through the capitalization plan to, to comfort itself that, yes, the capitalization plans are workable and, indeed, the banks will be able to go by what they are promising in the capitalization plans they are presenting. Then on the issue of the profits that have been posted for the first half of the year, the comparison is first half last year to first half 2023. It is not a full year report. The losses that we saw from the financials was a full year 2022 annual report. Now we are comparing half year 2023 to half year 2022. That is the first half of the year. And so if you do that, what I'll call year on year, first six months last year to first six months 2023, then the figures looks good. It is too early. Let's wait till we go to the whole year and we have a good picture of what the whole year has been, considering the second, what we call second uh, debt exchange program that is taking place. Mm. It will be quite different from the first one, but at least it will give us another picture. I will not say that the banks are out of this yet. It's still early for us to come to that conclusion. Let's wait to have a full year report they will be able to position 2023 against 2022 compared to the recapitalization plan, they will know what the way forward will be for the financial services sector. In this case, the deposit-taking financial institution sector. Also this afternoon, some new data from the Bank of Ghana suggesting that uh, total mobile money transactions reached a record 859 billion cities in the first uh, six months of uh, this year. This is compared with 480 billion cities during the same period uh, last year. So if the trend continues, the total mobile money transactions will hit 1 trillion cities by the end of July 2023. Uh, I want to hear what you think is doing the, the, the trick. Okay. From the formalization of the economy sector in terms of moving away from hard cash, carrying fiscal cash, it is good news. But then we still need to investigate whether it is not some form of substitution that is taking place in mm. terms of the total money supply that is in the system. What do I mean? Is it affecting the usage of check? We used to write checks a lot for payment. Yeah. In that case, if that's the case, there's just substitution that is taking place, which is good anyway, but it still doesn't negate the fact that 
it is liquidity and money in the hands of the public. So yes, we are hedging gradually towards one trillion, which is good because that is not physical cash. What it means is that the central bank will not be printing hard currency and the cost associated with it if global money should continue and continue. But that is still money supply in the hands of the public. Mm. This type of money, monetary policy hardly impacts directly on such types of money. So yes, it is good. Yes, fine. Is it reflecting in e-levy, electronic levy? That is a big question we need to ask. If all these positives in terms of increasing usage is not reflecting in e-levy, then there's a disconnect between our usage of mobile money and how much the government is raking in, even having reduced the rate from 1.5 to 1%. Yeah, and there I just... I, I just wanted to add that despite the increase in transactions, government is still not meeting its target when it comes to revenue hopes to accrue from uh, mobile money transactions. Yeah. 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 So, so that is what we need to also be looking at. So on one, in one breath, it is good because we are gradually moving away from carrying hard paper, hard points money, what you call the fiat money, and then having it in the form of mobile money wallets, etc. That is good. But then the government also thought twice to recommend, like Radi said, to levy. We are not seeing that transmission. We are not seeing that one-on-one -on -one or near one-on-one -on -one match between electronic transactions levy and then the mobile money transactions that are taking place. We need to go back again to look into that part of transactions amounting to the near one trillion you're talking about and why it is not having any significant impact on the government revenue drive through the electronic levy. For all you know, maybe many of these transactions are from the exempt transactions segment or part of the e-levy or the electronic transactions pool. And in that case, we have to brace ourselves for periods where we see high mobile money transactions with not too significant raking in from the e-levy that has been implemented by the government. So it calls for investigations from the Ghana Revenue Authority, the Central Bank, Bank of Ghana, and then the telcos as well. So much. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Benjamin Amwa, Senior Finance Lecturer, University of Ghana Business School, uh, speaking to us uh, on so many issues from uh, yesterday's uh, MPC briefing. Well, uh, let's turn next to the transport industry. Aviation Ghana is reporting that Ghana Airlines, the private uh, public initiative by the government to operationalize a national carrier, is not ready to fly despite initial assurances that um, the airline would start selling tickets in April and May this year and commence commercial flights from June this year. What are the setbacks? Well, joining me on phone is Dominic Andor, Managing Editor, AviationGhana.com. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dominic. Great to speak with you this afternoon. So what is the setback? Good afternoon, Daryl. Um, so to operate as an airline in Ghana, you need two main certifications from the Ghana Civil Aviation Authority. The first one is the Air Carrier License, which Ashanti Airlines already have. The next one is the Air Operator Certificate. 
In relation to the air operator certificate, there are five stages involved. As we speak, they are on stage three. And stage three, they haven't completed yet. They need to complete that stage. And stage four is where you acquire an aircraft. Then the regulator, which is the Ghana Civil Aviation Authority, will send your inspectors to inspect your aircraft, etc., to ensure that the planes you are going to use for operations are suitable for the operations you say you want to do. They haven't gotten to stage four yet, much more the uh, presentation stage, which is the stage five. So what option does the government have now? Wait till Ashanti Airlines and its partner uh, completes the processes and acquire an aircraft? Based on the agreement we signed with Ashanti Airlines and its partner, Zutok Group, led by Admiral Helsky, it means that the government will now have to wait for them to complete the AOC before the start operation. Because without the AOC, we are not a certified airline to operate in Ghana. Once they acquire the AOC, it means that they already had aircraft, they already have aircraft certified by the CE, and then they can begin operations. So for now, government has no option than to wait for them to complete these processes and then launch their operations. Dominic, how critical is this uh, national carrier for our economy, do you think? I, in fact, based on the precarious financial situation of the country, this is not something that we say is a top priority for government. So that's why it invited private investors in with a 10% carried interest. Ghana in West Africa is one of the most connected countries you can have in West Africa, and in fact, on the African continent. Almost all the top international airlines fly to Ghana. So essentially, in terms of service, we don't lack service. Government now says, okay, I want to help establish a national career so we can get part of this cake. But essentially, Ghana is very connected. From Ghana, you can go to almost 200 countries with any of the international career service in the country. So without the national career, we don't use anything. And we're also hearing uh, that some more foreign airlines are eyeing Ghana's airspace to operate commercial services. Now, according to Deputy Commissioner of the Ghana Civil Aviation Authority, Daniel Aqua, most of the airlines uh, do not meet the criteria necessary to attain the approval of the authority. Your thoughts? Aviation is a very capital-intensive industry. If you acquire one aircraft, you are stuck with it for the next 20 years. If you don't get your financials right, you go down. If you have a billion dollars, you want to lose it easily, invest in aviation within one month, your money will be gone. So the initial capital outlay required to establish the airline is very huge. So a lot of people show interest, they come in, go through the process a bit, and they get stuck in the middle somewhere. And now that things are a bit expensive, getting planes, etc., also becomes difficult for the people. But the financial arrangement, if they don't go well, you lose money. And essentially for the likes of, for instance, Africa Airlines or Africa World Airlines, they have huge finances, as in people backing them. They never lack money. But it took almost four or five years for them to start making profit. Do you have the financial model to absorb some of these losses for two or three years before they start making profit? Those are some of the questions. So people come in, expressing interest, but when the reality of the industry hits them, then they go back. All right, uh, Dominic Andor, thank you so much for making time uh, to speak with us, Managing Editor AviationGhana.com, uh, on that uh, story that the uh, Ghana Airlines not ready to fly uh, despite initial assurances.
about commencing commercial operations in uh, June this year. Now, let's turn to railway. Um, heavy encroachment on buffer zones and rail lines in parts of the country are pushing the Ghana Railroad uh, Development Authority to realign its rail lines to other areas. This is to avoid the mass decongestion of structures occupied by encroachers. The authority plans to acquire land to construct new railway networks linking all regions of the country. Here's more in this report. Abandoned for almost two decades, the Ghana railway system recently went through a major transformation. The defunct railway system resulted in encroachers erecting shops and temporary structures on the railways. Both sides of all rail lines have about 100 meters buffer zones. Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Railway Development Authority, Yao Ousu, says the right-of-way was reduced to 50 meters to accommodate encroachers. But efforts are being made to revive the industry as there are plans to realign these rail lines. He was speaking at a stakeholder workshop on the Ghana Railway Master Plan. Remember, the, the railway industry has been defunct for a long time. It has been left idle. And people thought railway was never coming back. So therefore, they took, they took undue uh, advantage to build within the, the corridors or the, the right-of-way. Right. So for example, the railway line coming from Accra to Kumasi, because of the heavy encroachment at Alaba and Abuabo, chances are we may have to take uh, what they call the branch line, okay, or what they call realignment. So the train will be coming from Accra it may end up in Ejusu. And then we have to do new acquisition from Ejusu to Edwarden. Edwarden is also on the western line. So that will be the new focal point because of the heavy encroachment. Otherwise, you may have to destroy thousands and thousands of structures from a doom station to uh, Alaba, to Abuabo, to Tech or to University of Science and Technology. Yao Ousu wants the government to subsidize the construction cost of the Accra railway lines to the Buankra inland port in the Ashanti region. There have been a number of investors expressing interest in the project, but its capital-intensive nature is pushing them away. The capital intensity will result in higher transport fares for trains compared to buses. There has been several investors who have come around, as I was trying to explain to you. The BOT concept is the best, build, operate and transfer. But because of the high cost of constructing these lines, and because the investors don't have the patience to wait for 50 years, the only way you can recapture your investment on these lines, unless you have a government subsidy, whereby the government is willing to pick up any revenue gaps, Okay, and I gave an example, um, a train, I mean, um, bus transport from Kumasi to Accra is about 200 cities, VIP roughly, right? Now, to be able to justify an investment in Accra to someone will require about 500 cities. The trains have to charge 500 cities, which is very, very expensive. So the gap between the VIP cost versus the train cost, the government is, has to be willing to subsidize. And at the moment, the government doesn't have all what they call sovereign guarantee. The investors want the government to give them an assurance that if there's any revenue gap, they will pay them the difference. The government that doesn't have that luxury because of our financial constraint. For Joy Business, Mona Lisa Frimpon reporting. Our government has touted Ghana's position as the best in terms of investments to support the growth of businesses across all sectors. 
According to the Minister of Trade and Industry, Katie Hammond, there is proper regulatory framework to protect players in key sectors of the economy, especially industries. He said this when Mayor of Houston, uh, Sylvester Turner, paid a cursive visit to him. Here's more. The visit by the mayor of Houston forms part of a long-standing investment relations between the United States and Ghana, which began many years ago. Ghana, as the host of the Secretariat of the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement, plays a critical role as trade and investment capital of the continent. Minister of Trade and Industry, in a statement to welcome the delegation from Houston, outlined the country's friendly environment and Ghana's readiness to support foreign direct investments. We're happy that you are here. Um, it's our belief that uh, by the time uh, you, you, you leave, we would have been able to get some structures in place which would enable us uh, to move forward uh, with our agenda of uh, ensuring that there is uh, industrial development in Ghana. The president has talked about it many, many times. We cannot be doing the same thing that we used to do and hope to make any transformation in our economy. It doesn't, it doesn't, work, it doesn't work like that. It's not just right. Any country which has developed, uh, your countries, uh, Western world, uh, they have developed on the back of industrialization. The mayor of Houston, Sylvester Turner, assured that his team will be working with other regulatory agencies in Ghana and Houston to facilitate investment opportunities for investors. Uh, it's our way of saying to Ghana uh, that we are here uh, to build on the relationship and at the same time to try to come up with some specific action items uh, that people can see the success of this mutual relationship. And so we have been, we have been talking about putting forth uh, uh, and building uh, some small working groups uh, between Ghana and the city of Houston so that we can uh, work on these um, uh, areas of interest, whether they're in health in healthcare, energy, uh, innovation, uh, exchange programs, uh, those of that nature. So we're excited about uh, what is taking place. Um, we're excited about the collaboration that's taking place. And Mr. Minister, uh, we look forward to, uh, to working even closer uh, with, with Ghana and specifically with, with you and your office. I will say when it comes to trade, as of last year, the... All right, and last, the marketplace. Before we go, a quick run through the headlines on our website, myjoinline.com forward slash business. Bond market, uh, total market turnover surges 91.52% to 336.8 million CDs. You can read more, myjoinline.com. Also, local content at the heart of Talo Ghana's operations, as according to Cynthia Lumo, myjoinline.com forward slash business. We'll see you same time tomorrow.